in order to get a reaction, talk about the things that actually mean something to you. And yeah, it's going to repel some people, but they were going to be a pain in the ass anyways. Welcome or welcome back to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the delightful and insightful Caitlin Penny. Caitlin, a graphic designer since 2010, founded her own business, Copper Theory Creative, in 2016. At the age of 24, she was thrilled to realize her dream of being her own boss, a goal that she believed was worth fighting for. Copper Theory Creative has grown into a full-service branding agency and design agency, servicing over 100 businesses since its inception in 2016. The agency considers itself a partner in business, helping clients amplify their brands professionally to reflect their business visions. Caitlin's achievements include receiving a Young Professional of the Year Award and being featured in Shout Out Arizona, Canvas Rebel, and the United Colors of Design magazine. She was also appointed as the newest arts commissioner for the city of Chandler, Arizona, and has been nominated for the Chandler Chamber of Commerce Small Business of the Year Award. Outside of her professional life, Caitlin enjoys spending time with her pit bull, Herbie, watching Harry Potter, or listening to true crime podcasts. My beloved Caitlin Penny, I am so excited to have you here today, not only to talk about a pop culture piece that I just adore so much, but just because I just love your brain and can't wait to ask you the question, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Personal branding. (laughs) Tell me more personal branding. How so? Well, surprise, surprise, I own a company, a marketing company that focuses on that specifically. And there's one key to being a successful small business owner, and it is just to be authentic. Surprise, it's so hard, I know. <laughs> God, if only on, on this show I had ever interviewed anyone authentic. Oh, that would be so <laughs> dumb. No, but you know what? I think that's so huge because like... A lot of the people we hang out with are pretty darn authentic in their day-to-day life. And so there's almost this process that I know you do through your work and I certainly do through QuirkWorks with, with giving people permission to actually do something with that authenticity because people are like, oh, I'm authentic. Well, yeah, like, but are you marketing authentically? Because if you're showing the authenticity once people are inside your paywall, that's not really an authenticity play, is it? So I love that you're like, can we extend that out into the brand a little further? Could we make that authenticity a little bit more client-facing? Because I think a lot of people are like, authenticity, 
that's frou-frou stuff. Why would I care? And then people that hang out with us are like, oh, I'm already authentic. I guess I just, I'm okay now. And it's like, no, <laughs> you have to market authentically. You have to brand authentically. You have to leverage your authenticity. So how do you see authenticity kind of go awry? Well, I think that, you know, everyone's had a Facebook for what, like 15 years now or something like that, something insane. Um, and I think there was a disconnect in, okay, let's separate our personal account and then let's do our business account. And while that works in some certain situations, I really think that in most cases, it doesn't need to be separated anymore. You can choose what personal aspects of yourself you are sharing with people. Like if you don't want to put your kids on social media, don't want to put your kids on social media. Right. But it doesn't mean that you can share your yoga schedule or whatever makes you happy. Or that the fact is that you with- have a kid. You don't have to right. put. Right. Well, like I, I just <laughs> applied for a, a um, networking group and they were like, this will not impact your application, but it may affect like what pairings we put you in. Do you have kids? And I was like, no, but I understand why they're asking that question. Right. So like, I don't have to put, I don't have kids, but like, I don't have to put pictures of my kids on the internet to self-identify as a business owner mother. If I were such a thing, which I am not. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think when you combine the both of those, especially on social media, you share a piece of personal, a piece of what I call a date your life of. And that can be anything behind the scenes to make, you know, to share what it takes to do this. And then you can talk about your business. People will remember you as the dog lover or the mom that sells houses, you know? Yeah, exactly. They'll be like the chick. What was the chick with the dogs? Like, how often do you go to a party and you're like, the one who had the really great jacket? You don't remember the name, but Mm -hmm. you remember the jacket. And you're like, well, that's not going to help me at all. So then you have to call all your friends and be like, the one with the jacket. And then somebody undoubtedly is going to go, oh, that's so-and-so. Okay, right? We know. But we don't know unless we're standing out. At networking groups, I'm known as the girl with the hat and the floral jacket most of the time. It's usually a floral blazer instead of my Leslie Nope. Uh, (laughs) I met you in a mini skirt and sky high heels. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They were awesome. And now there's a pin of Van Gogh in his ear on my jacket. Separated as they should be. (laughs) As they should be for the art historians amongst us. Um, But, you know, I think he's not today's pop culture topic, but... That's something. Yeah. If you, yeah, one way to show your affection authentically, yeah, chop off your ear and mail it to a sex worker. I sure. Um, the, I feel like I, now I have to be like too legitimate to quit. Does not condone self harm in this way, or mailing any kind of body parts to anyone. Official your body parts to begin with. Official disclaimer. Please do not mail anything to me, to Caitlin, to anyone involved with either of us. We don't even want you to email that shit. No, thank you. Uh please seek immediate mental health. Uh right. Uh, but but you know, there's I think there's something to that there, which is so goofy, but but true in that there's a powerful way to show up authentically and there's a way to show up authentically that robs you of power so in an extreme case we could say cutting off your ear 
and mailing it to someone for attention is authentic, yes, but authenticity that robs you of power. So how do we show up authentically in a way that magnetizes and amplifies our power? Well, I think that, you know, to begin with, you started your business for a reason. You have that why, but you also have a why on the other side of things that fills your cup that's not work, you know? And so when you show up and share those personal aspects about yourself, those, you know, characteristics, um, that's, that's what that's what makes people, you know, invest in you. And they choose you because of the emotion and experience that you give them, not then justify the cost later. But it's boundaried. What I hear Mm -hmm. and what you're saying is like, it's boundaried, right? And going into today's pop culture topic, like waffles, friends and work, work is third. (laughs) Right. Right. Right? (laughs) And, and think about like people that we think is kind of like soulless, faceless cogs, like government Mm -hmm. workers, every single person on Parks and Rec has their own brand. Every single one for good or for ill. Some of the brands are on lock. Some of the brands are a hot mess. What is your name, <laughs> Gary Gergich? Figure it out. But, you know, even Leslie Nope, who is so completely addicted to her job and a workaholic and proud of it, reminds mm-hmm. everybody it's Waffles, friends and work. Work is third. Right. But she's but she's known for the waffles and the friends. Absolutely. And the roller skates and the roller skates and the filibuster. Right. But the but, you know, I think it's I I, we're only seven minutes in. So I'm kind of amazed that I've already thrust us into the pop culture topic, but we're both excited about it. So let's just lean in. But, you know, the. Looking at personal branding from the lens of Parks and Rec is just too good not to dive into in that, like, even little Sebastian has a brand. Like, Sebastian. <laughs> little Sebastian is the heart of Pawnee. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I'm from Missouri. You think I didn't see tiny ponies, show ponies, Shetland ponies growing up? Sure. They existed. Who is Ben doesn't get it at all. Oh. So... It's That's like a not your people kind of thing, you know? No, absolutely not. And and then on the gal, I mean, Little Sebastian is the perfect example because then on the flip side, Ron Swanson, who is not affected by anything, we see him cry exactly three times in the entire series. And the one where he cries the most is at the funeral for little freaking Sebastian with which Ben, who's a softie, is like, yeah, what? What? <laughs> By the end, he comes around. And so I think that, yeah. I mean, first personal branding and the people that you're, well, who are your people? There's a different process and there's a different flow for each one of them. You have like the totally, the onboard people from the get-go and then you have the people that need a little push yeah. and then you have this people who are just like Ron <laughs> you know it's just Ron he only ever cries about steak and ponies like all right okay <laughs> that's fine that's fine right but it's but it's okay because everyone that loves little Sebastian is proud to buy into the brand mm-hmm. the littlest park like they had to buy into the brand 
of that tiny ass ridiculous park. They had to be like, we want this park. We know it's tiny. We know it's kind of stupid. It matters to us. Let's get this done. Right? But but every single person in that office, maybe even every person in Pawnee, I'm looking at you, Sue's Salads, has a personal brand. I think that's part of what makes them all such strong. Memorable. Memorable, lovable characters. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just fascinating how they, you know, all work together still and all, you know, play a different role to accomplish one goal, usually, and definitely all different perspectives. <laughs> but I think authenticity, to go back to like, when does authenticity go awry? Like, where does personal branding go awry? I think we have the incredible example of Tom Haverford. Um, because everyone around him is like, your ideas don't make any sense, Tom. And he's like, no, it's amazing. It's like, eh. right? Like, what is it? Entertainment 720. And it's like, what is that? Even, <laughs> what does that even mean, dude? Like, that's these people that come to me with these buzzwords and they're like, so domain expertise specific that I'm like, cool, you sound really smart and really legitimate. And I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm your target market. So that's a problem. Like that's entertainment 720. Like we have basketball stars and hot tubs. No one knows what we're selling and our logo doesn't make sense. Okay. (laughs) Grab an iPad on the way out. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think that, you know, you started this, you're passionate about it, you're killing it, you have a great message. And then, you know, why not get really good at that one thing first? And then do other things. I mean, Tom is like super innovative, and he always has the next best idea. No, no, no one gets it most of the time. But he's determined. He never gives up. There's also an idea about toxic partnership in in the cautionary tale of Tom Haverford, like y'all, if you have a John Ralphio in your life, get them out. And don't date his sister. And do not <laughs> date his money, please, sister. <laughs> money, please. Money, please. Um, I freaking love her. But, you know, like, because Tom is the one of many, but Tom is the entrepreneur of the show. And so it's funny to see him fail so often that failure kind of becomes his kink and his brand in the end. But in the meantime, all he was ever wanting to do in any of Tom's iterations, rebrands, pivots, whatever we want to call it, um, it was always just whatever he thought the flashiest thing of the moment is. So like he knew a cologne guy was coming. And so suddenly he had to come up with Tommy Fresh. And it's like, that's, That's not actually you innovating, Tom. That's you trying to be opportunistic. And sometimes we get those things confused, right? We get confused between true opportunity, true innovation, and just trends and low-hanging fruit, I guess. Right. And even when it comes to trends, too, if it doesn't match and you're not trying to dance on TikTok, then why are you? It, it, people can see right through that and they know instantly it's just reading body language they know instantly that you are not comfortable with this so how are you going to get the message or the point across when you don't even feel confident in what you're doing you're just yeah. 
throwing spaghetti at a wall. <laughs> well, it's like watching people really, really, really try to get a trending sound to work for their content that day on TikTok. And I'm like, or you could have just you used your own words. Right. <laughs> How many contracts do you just not get because of that? Right. You took three hours to do something on TikTok. I mean, take a nap, eat a sandwich. Dread, <laughs> take a walk, get some vitamin D, hug a friend. Like, <laughs> come on. Anything is better than like, well, how do I get it to line up? It's like, don't. Don't get it to line up. That is a trend, Tom Haverford. <laughs> right? But I think that that's important because I think it's also, Parks is a really great example of the fact that even if you have a brand that is very much anchored in your personal brand, it never just touches you. The people that love you buy into your brand. The people that know you buy into your brand. They understand what's important to you. So, spoilers for Parks like, and Rec, which came out like 20 years ago. But it's wow. not surprising that Anne could make Leslie's perfect wedding dress. She's her best friend. Right. It's so special. Oh, and. <laughs> right? And like she knows what's on brand. Right. They know that the mural matters to Leslie because Leslie's been consistent mm -hmm. and vocal. Right? right? And so like if the more you are true to your personal brand, yes, it's easier for people to find you and either love you or be repelled by you, little Sebastian. But it's also easier for other people to amplify and enhance the brand with you for you, which you as an employer understand you're running an agency. So right. your clients see some of you, but more of them, but they're still seeing them as an extension of you. So how do you see the process of opening a personal brand up to involve more people? How has that unfolding been for you? Well, I think that it's definitely been interesting because I was a one-man show up until last year. And then I went from like one to eight. So that was, you know, quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So in body, and we work remotely too. So that gives an extra Oh, even more fun. Culture, right. And so it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting to see how we can connect everyone and, you know, do something that includes everyone at the same time besides a contract, besides a project. And I think one of the reservations that a lot of people have, especially with mixing that personal and business brand together, is the controversial topics. If you have something to say about it, say something. If you don't, then don't. You don't have to respond to every single thing Tom Haverford. Yeah. Um, yeah. In order to get a reaction, talk about the things that actually mean something to you. And yeah, it's going to repel some people, but they're never, they were going to be a pain in the ass anyways. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. They're either going to take ownership and collaboration energy into it or they're not. And you have right. to, too. You either have to allow people to come in or you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. And you made a conscious choice to go from one to eight in remote right. in the middle of a post pandemic pandemic post pandemic that ends <laughs> and never ends all the time. Right. Right. And it took, you know, I didn't get it right the first time either. I there I think you should definitely start with just making sure that there's a vibe, a good vibe between everyone and you. If it just like a networking event, if you're not feeling it in the gut, then just don't. And you're usually right. Yeah. 
Because there's a difference between someone on your team challenging you, which we want, Mm -hmm. and someone on your team being not for you or not for the mission, which is basically Mm -hmm. a saboteur intentionally or not, right? Like, not that they're necessarily sitting there being like, I will destroy Copper Theory. (laughs) They're not doing that. But also at the same point, like, you're on the team or you're off the team. Mm -hmm. Kind of a thing. Yep. Right. Oof. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, but you're right. Like, if it's not going to vibe, it's not going to vibe. And we're all too busy to babysit bad fits. Right. I mean, if, yeah. If it's not part of the puzzle, then you got the wrong puzzle. <laughs> oh, y'all hear that? If it's not part of the puzzle, you've got the wrong puzzle. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that little soundbite. Thank you so much. <laughs> but no, it's true. I mean, it's if it's not for you, it's not for you. And if it is for Thank you, then you have to chase and prioritize it. Not chase like you have to be desperate for it, but you have to put applied and intentional action toward the procurement of that goal, thing, right. person, whatever it may be. Specific- that's why everyone is trying to niche down to something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should have a target market. I mean, don't tell me you don't because don't lie to me. But you should know what that is. <laughs> you can fight me later about that one. Be like, y'all don't but, get just don't don't fight Caitlin about niching. Y'all just don't. <laughs> it's true. You just don't know who they are yet. Sorry, mic drop. I'll leave. Um, no, stay, but, stay. <laughs> I think that, but if you do, when you do do that, you know more about the people that you're helping, you know more about your people, you know more about your team. And the more data points you can collect, the better that you're going to be a business. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. A zillion percent. Yeah. She knows how to appeal to the people of Pawnee, not the people of Eagleton. Oh, oh. <laughs> Eagleton. <laughs> If anyone is listening right now from fictional Eagleton, Indiana, we just like you. We just like you, Eagletonians. Right? But no, that's true, too. She is the, she is, and we see this in American politics all the time. That's my guy. That's not my guy. That's my guy. Right? Like, Pawneeans love or hate. Leslie, Eagletons are just like, we don't even have to even look at her. Right? But it should be more repellent. The people that Leslie is going to connect with most are the people that also love and care about their community and love and care that that community is Pawnee. Right. That's their values are their values. Yep. Right. But like, that's the same thing. It's like every single person on parks rec is parks and rec is a great example of who is not for someone. Like you want to tell me, Mouse Rat, the band, is going to have international appeal? Of course they're not. <laughs> I have that shirt. I can't even handle Chris Pat- Pratt in his current form. Like, I would have much <laughs> rather had Mouse Rat. Give me Andy back. <laughs> Andy, give us Andy back. Right? We miss Andy. Ugh, let's talk about someone who pivoted away from what their marketability was. But anyway, that's fine. That's fine. Right, but like Mouse Rat is a polarizing band. Right. The Pawnee Goddesses is a polarizing group. 
the Swansons even more so, right? Like it's it just it just is. And and they allow that to be, but you're right. Okay, so what is everybody's baggage with niching or niching if we're being Eagletonians? So Pawneeans say niching, Eagletonians say niching. Uh, what's what's the baggage with either? Why do people fight this so much? Well, I think in the beginning, you may not know what that specific niche is, and that's okay. Um, no, that's not a bad thing. You just you know haven't figured it out yet. You haven't figured out what that sweet spot is, and so maybe you're trying to appeal to everyone. Hence, the we don't have a specific target market. Um, if you pitch to everyone. Everyone thinks you're not pitching to them. Yeah. And so when you're more specific about it, well, I guess on the other hand, too, if you're too specific about it, people think that they're turning business away. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's true. I don't, I think that, again, those people weren't your people. Right. And so it may not have worked out as good as you thought it was going to be, but you don't know. But I think also emotional niching is a thing we don't think about a lot. Like people, well, a lot of time when someone comes to me, they're like, I have my niche locked down. I'm like, cool, what is it? And then the first words that come out of their mouth are demographics. And demographics are important. Yeah. Psychographics is okay. Right, but like, yeah, it doesn't matter all that much to me that they made $62,000 last year that their favorite chip is Doritos. And that they tend to watch the NBC Tuesday night block. Like, I don't really care about that. And I run a pop culture podcast and I don't care about that. Right. Like I that doesn't do it for me. So I'm always I take their demographic information and I say, OK, cool. Let's put that in this column over here. But let's look at the problems that they want solved, because other than, you know, having to do laundry or death in taxes, not everybody has the same problem and we do a disservice of our audience by saying every 38 year old, you know, black male in the Midwest who makes $62,000 a year has the exact same wants and needs. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really give you a name. Somebody go, but you can't. <laughs> no, no. again, cause we're like, like trying to please everybody and pleasing no one, or we're trying to please a phantom instead of pleasing a real person. Yeah. And I, I actually encourage people to give that a real person's name, like make it a real person. Tell me what they do on the weekends. Tell me if they have a dog, tell me, you know, mm -hmm. tell me uh, why they see the value and what level of, you know, what their level of success is. We, before I work with anybody, we actually conduct a very serious personal interview and it takes about an hour, but it's just us getting to know each other like we have been doing. And what I'm wondering what their values are. I'm wondering what's important to them. You know, what a great, that's great. And I know everything about your business down to know why and what you're trying to do, but what about your personal life? What's going on? You know, why don't I know what's up? How do you market someone? How do you market a business of one or a business of a few with a strong personal, like branded leader? How do you market them? How do you grow that business if you don't know them? You can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't. I mean, and and detail matters in weird ways that we don't quite expect. Like 
on one spot on my website, on one spot on my entire website, it says that I am a Chicagoan and I think that deep dish pizza is gross. And this is buried on my website. (gasps) There's all kinds of other weird, juicy stuff in my bio and story. Sometimes I hear about that more and I'm a lot more vocal about that. Like, yes, my grandfather was a used car salesman. Yes, my mother is a retired motivational speaker. Those are things that people find interesting. Yes, I did used to be a lounge singer. Yes, yes, right? All of these different things are true. They don't pick up on that stuff. The first thing they want to talk about is damn deep dish Chicago pizza. And I'm like, that's what brought, <laughs> that's what put you on my calendar. They don't like it either. Or yeah, they're they like, like I don't understand. I love it. I drove three miles once for a slice of deep dish. And I'm like, and you had heartburn the whole way back. You did. Right? I did. But like, why? It, it The detail matters. And we don't know what details are going to be resonant. And so to go back to what you said at the very beginning, the way that we amplify our chances of success is to show up authentically, to lift the veil, let people see the real us beyond our work in a boundaried way. And allow them to resonate with us as people, not just as many corporations. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, you know, besides the hat and the blazer, everyone knows that I have a pit bull mm-hmm. at home. And it's just like a weird thing because I'm a skinny white girl walking down the road with a, a <laughs> fat ass. 70 pound gray pit bull who's rescued from a dog fighting ring um might be wearing a hawaiian hat <laughs> i love true crime i think potatoes should be their own food group yeah <laughs> i love all of these things about you and see those things i would see on your website and be like i also love potatoes maybe it's my irish heritage but i could eat them all the time i also have okay. a dog who's part pit bull that does not really matches me at all and I also tend to wear loud florals. Like we knew immediately. We're like, oh, we going to be buds. Yeah, I knew as soon as I walked in that door. Yeah, we knew. We were like, oh, we're going to be buds. And then I met you and immediately I was with our now mutual friend, Nicole Iacovoni. And I'm like, you need to go talk to her. She's our people. Like when you make it easy to know who you are, you make it easy to know who you are. Period. More trustful. Right. And it it greases the wheel. Like I know how I could support you and your business and you know how you can support me and mine. And you and I have never had a conversation in the history of our new friendship where we've only Mm -hmm. talked about business. No. And yet if you needed to refer me to one of your clients tomorrow, you would know who to refer and for what. And so would I. Absolutely. And not just because we're friends. We had a great conversation. Yes. So let's talk about that because Parks is also a really great example of this. And this isn't where I was planning on going, but the the Parks office really is, that team really is a family. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, you know, you went from zero to eight and now you have a family of eight. But... Mm -hmm. For a lot of us, especially before we make that jump or even while we're making that jump, a lot of us don't have a built-in work fam or or support system in that way in our small business or self-employment because we're out on our own. So I feel like work friendships, 
um, are kind of an interesting thing because at one point people hear the term work friendships and go, well, that's not like a real friendship. I'm like, well, right. why couldn't it be? And sometimes it very much is, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Or on the flip side, like, oh, well, I don't have time to make friends. I'm running a business. So like, hmm. what what is your stance on having relationships with people in your ecosystem that don't always have to end in some kind of trade or partnership or profit? I like to... So I've been living in Chandler for a while now, Phoenix area. I kind of go back and forth. And Chandler is a very tight-knit community as far as business owners, family, and politics go. So that, if you want to talk about being intertwined, that is one heck of an example. Mm -hmm. And I never, I probably network about 60 hours a month. And I never walk into a room just to poach people. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm it's never my intention. I'm very strategic about it. And that's how I decide where to go. But I think about why people are there to begin with. I think about why I'm there. It's usually business or social. So maybe like a happy hour. Um, I think about what the both of us want to get out of the situation. And then I just walk in, I kind of just walk in like I know everyone (laughs) actually, but I just walk in and I'm willing to have a conversation. I'm looking for that relationship because that's heavily how we do run business. But I also just love people. I love talking to people and I like learning things. So if you're doing something that I have no idea about, I want to, I want to stand in front of you and listen to you talk and ask you weird questions. And then I'll ask you how I can help you or who you want to meet. No, um, then you'll like, then you'll tell them what their Harry Potter house is, and then you two can talk yeah. about that for a while. <laughs> Next um, episode, drop insert right. date here. Exactly, <laughs> uh, but it's you know I love that idea because you're talking about intent, and I feel like intent shows up in every single episode of this show because when you're talking about when you're networking, you are intending to take up space. You are intending to leave having met someone. So you don't just do the thing I used to do when I would let my introversion win and I would like go to an event, stand in a corner and leave just so I could be like, well, I went like, no, y'all. It's your time then. Right. You can't be a wallflower. No, you're intending to take up space. You're intending to meet someone. You're intending not to be shy about what makes you brilliant. And you're intending to learn new stuff from new and exciting people. And that's it. If you make money, awesome. If you make a new friend, awesome. If you make a new partnership, awesome. But what I loved about what you said is like, I act like I already know everybody. That's not wallflower energy. It's also no. not peacock energy. You're not being like, I am the mayor of this event. Move aside, host. It's my show now. You're not doing that either. But you're showing up like you deserve and belong to be there. Because as a business owner in Chandler, you deserve and belong to be there. Right. And don't and don't status shop either. Don't look over someone's shoulder as you're talking to them, looking for someone else better to talk to. Yeah, because that always bites you in the ass anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a pretty woman scenario waiting to happen where, like, you ignore the wrong person and they put you on blast on the internet and you deserve it. <laughs> right. Right? Or, like, you go to woo one person and don't know that the person you were inadvertently really rude to is their best friend. 
you don't know if the person you're being rude to is the best friend of the person you're desperately seeking out. So even if you do get FaceTime with them, they're going to be like, who'd you meet tonight? And they'd be like, oh, I met this real bitch named Caitlin. She was so rude to me. And then the best friend's going to be like, oh, I thought she was kind of nice, but fuck her. Right? Like, that's how this shit happens. <laughs> right, right. Well, I was, uh, I actually so I spoke at a summit last week um, for the No Women and the CEO of Sprinkles was there. Ooh. You know, have you had those? I mean, Sprinkles Cupcakes, are we talking? Yeah. Yeah, Sprinkles yeah. Cupcakes. They have vending uh, machines. She, Do you think I'm going to avoid uh, the opportunity they, to get a cupcake uh, out of a vending machine? Are you joking? <laughs> You know why she invented those? She was pregnant and wanted a cupcake, and she already ate the ones in our house that she made. <laughs> Find a need and fill it. Find a need yes. and fill it, people. That's all we got to do. And then well, we, when we did the workshop, too, obviously, personal branding and social media, uh, we uh, I didn't know it, but the marketing team from BuzzBalls, those things that you can oh buy. Oh, God, the, those things are hilarious. You know, talking about those balls of alcohol that are like pina colada flavored and things like that and they're um, all like neon green yeah mm-hmm. right yeah well i knew that the ceo was speaking at this summit but I, I didn't realize that her marketing girl who also accompanied her was sitting in on our presentation and so she was asking questions and things like that and i was like oh and then she said what she did i was like oh <laughs> So you never know who you're talking to. And, you know, it's just like treat the, you know, what do they treat the janitor like the CEO, like just. I mean, very famously, Michael Beckwith from The Secret and everything else took time after a speech one day to comfort a woman who came to hear him speak or preach or something who was sobbing Mm -hmm. her ass off in the back of the room. Because she lived in her car and had been so badly abused her whole life and knew that she wanted to break into TV. And he just held her and told her she had the power to do it. And that was literally Oprah. (laughs) Wow. That was literally (laughs) Oprah. Like, he could have blown her off. He could have been like, okay, sorry, crying woman. I'm glad what I said affected you. But, like, I don't think you're going to pay me my giant speaker fees. So I'm going to move right past you. Let's not do that. You would have, he would have (laughs) literally, easily, understandably, even missed out on the chance to make Oprah Oprah. Like, what? (laughs) Imagine if you've ever walked by that opportunity. Oh, oh my God. I mean, somewhere I have. Right. Oh, that's a terrifying question. <laughs> All the listeners are going to lay down. They're like, I probably did accidentally offend Oprah. Oh, <laughs> damn. Oh, God. I was mean to Gail. I farted in an elevator. I know it. Oh, God. What did I do? I was on a plane next to Stedman and I didn't even know. None of you have offended Oprah. Everyone take a breath. <laughs> so... Looking at the landscape of of camaraderie, of business friendship, of finding your own coworkers or hiring them, of clarifying your personal brand, of niching, all of these things, what haven't we talked about about our beloved Pawneeans yet when it comes to any of these topics? 
How would you market the Harvest Festival? Ooh. How would I market the Harvest Festival now? Mm-hmm. What I would do is I would run it like a chamber of commerce and I would get everybody mm-hmm. in the community to lean into what they already want to do, which is to take mm-hmm. what our mutual friend Chris DeGrasso calls inspired ownership, which mm-hmm. is this is Pawnee's festival and therefore Pawnee needs to show up to make it great because little right. Sebastian's dead now. <laughs> he is dead now. So the whole thing can't ride. On his tiny mm. horsey shoulders, right? Like right. they're gonna have to figure him. it out. And so, number one, I think you kick off with an annual little Sebastian celebration of life. And I think you have mm. Mouse Rat play Bye Bye Little Sebastian every year. Oh my Do god. Do your candle vigil, get it going. And then beyond there, every be like year. little Sebastian's gone. Are you gonna be the new mm. star of the Harvest Festival? And then let them bring what they want to bring. How would you market the Harvest Festival? Ooh, okay. Man, well, I'm going to go against uh, your idea, but you got to bring bring Chris Pratt back. Where is he? You got to use him. He's got to be somewhat of the spokesperson. Come on now. Come on now. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. And we want in the contract to act like Andy as a clause. Please. Yes. yes. Act like Andy, and if you could gain some weight, that would be great. Like, mm. <laughs> I just want, um, you know, Aubrey Plaza to have commercials that say, "Don't come to the Harvest." Festival. Oh my God, that's exactly how we would do it. We would, we would have Aubrey right. Plaza. We would hire Aubrey Plaza, looking deadpan at the camera, being like, "Don't go to the Harvest Festival. <laughs> it will be fun. There will be food." There will be animals. <laughs> there will be people. Don't go. Little Sebastian. And then she runs. <laughs> and then just runs away. Like, and this has been April Ludgate Dwyer with the report. Uh, no, that's totally true. Oh, my God. Okay, so two more questions for you. One of them, I love this idea of, like, how would you market? You would leverage Chris Pratt as he is now. I would hire a Chris Pratt impersonator to be Andy in the pit because I don't want to tolerate that. But both of us had the idea of honoring little Sebastian because right. mm-hmm. some parts of your brand never die. That's true. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, but in, in, my, in my own rebrand, I keep talking about like I'm using taglines again I haven't used since 2016. I'm using colors again that I haven't used since 2013. Like there's this way of things repeating. Some aspects of your brand and your pivoting will return to you just like the spirit of little Sebastian. Oh. Okay, so the the first question I have for you is Chandler has decided to have a festival and the um, spokes boy of the festival is your beautiful pit bull. Uh, what, what event are you basing around your dog? What personal brand are we building around your dog? Oh my God. For the people of Chandler, Arizona. Mm. We need more dog parks. Um, <laughs> Leslie, no fun the job, right? Uh, I it's you know what I find it interesting that you picked my dog because I would not pick a pit bull for the spokesperson of Chandler. Those people are scared of my dog, so that'll be a time. <laughs> Maybe it's the Chandler We're Not Scary Festival. 
Right. <laughs> Don't be scared of Chandler. We have a low crime rate, nice people, and scary dogs that are not scary at all. Right. <laughs> Screw your doodles. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Your golden doodles can go back to Scottsdale. We're Chandler. <laughs> We're edgy, but not scary. Um, yeah, I love that. Well, I think, okay, so Chandler, Chandler is definitely, so there is, uh, there are a few different, um, cities that are basically, we're all one city before I moved there, but there's Mesa, Chandler, and Gilbert. Gilbert's like the bougier version of Chandler's trying to get up there and have more accessible programs for people instead of being so exclusive. So they are like the Pawnee and then there is Mesa, which is like trying, but not quite there yet. So Chandler lays. Maybe in Mesa needs the Pitbull Festival. Maybe Mesa needs the like your. <laughs> I, need, I need to see the Pitbull Festival. What? Where? <laughs> Mesa, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Like they they need the like. We're not rough. We're we're loving festival. Okay, cool. We we've, we've shifted over to Mesa. Good to know. Um, but for anybody that needs you to run any kind of a festival, dogs or no dogs, and also you know their social or websites or marketing or helping them excavate their personal brand out of the muck that they may have accidentally made. What's the best way for them to start a conversation with you and your team? Um, We're basically on everything. Uh, So hit me up on Instagram, Copper Theory Creative, and or uh, shoot me an email. Hello at coppertheorycreative.com. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Howdy. Well, I don't really love waffles, but I do love friends and I do love work and I do really, really love working with my friends today. So in the immortal words of Leslie Nope, thank you for being here. You beautiful, radiant moth, land mermaid, all the other things she calls Anne Perkins. Thank you for being my land mermaid today, Caitlin. Thank you, beautiful Annie. Y'all, I'll be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for this week. Bring your dog. Why not? Well, hey there. This week's episode was pop culture rich. So I'm going to jump right into this week's homework with a small little reminder slash caveat, which is just the one word, boundaries. There is no need to expose some part of yourself. Hmm, I bet I could have phrased that better, but you get my gist. There's no reason to do anything ever in your marketing that truly feels unnatural. Some details of your life are yours to keep, as we talked about in the episode. So just do a check before this week's homework. What do you want to share? What do you not want to share? What feels uncomfortable or like you're growing versus what feels unnatural and better left unspoken? Okay. So as you may have guessed, your homework this week is to break out of the mold a little bit and share a glimpse of your personal journey, something you're passionate about, something you love to nerd out about, or something else genuinely unique about you 
in either your one-on-one client relationships or your outbound social media content. We really do care about the person behind the business. Now, if you're stuck, consider sharing something about the experiences that have shaped you, the challenges that you've overcome, or the passions or nerdery points that currently drive you forward. These really do go a long way to establish deeper trust and deeper connection. Crafting a narrative that showcases your authentic self is a super powerful tool for capturing the hearts and minds of your prospects. But you know that. You hear that all the time. And there's a reason for that. Personal anecdotes, pivotal moments, including your wins, are really sexy content. Why? Because we see the real you in a way that we almost never see from the big brands. We're inviting our prospects into a larger, better story. So this week, I encourage you, put pen to paper, the topic, yourself, and just let the words flow. What do you feel like sharing? I can't wait to find out. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigneault. See you next time. <laughs>